freedom that you've given us. God, we thank you for the life that you've given us. And, um, and so many of us feel that this grace that you've given us to be able to live in this country and to call the United States our home. We do believe it's an honor. We do believe it's a privilege. And, and we believe that it's one that has cost a lot. It's not one that has been just freely given in the sense that it's just not been earned, but it's cost a lot. And people have given a lot for us to even have the experience that we're having today. And so, God, we don't take that lightly. We take it with a sense of humility, Lord, that there are so many that are willing to serve and give of themselves so that others can enjoy. And so, Father, we just pray for those families that even today, they're reeling and they're dealing with loss of loved ones that are serving in countries far Loss of loved ones that are serving even here in our home country. There, there's things that are going on that are even beyond our understanding. And people are willingly giving themselves, putting themselves in harm's way so that others can know freedom. And God, we thank you for those that are doing that. And we pray for those families. God, we pray, Lord, that those families know peace. God, that they come to, if they already do not, come to know you as a God of peace. God, that they come to know you in your love and your mercy and your grace. And Father, we pray, Lord, that as they have given their all, Lord, that we understand, Lord, that you've given your all so that we can know you. And God, help us to remember and to know that this life that we are living is not one that we get to live selfishly, but it's one that we should live completely aware that you gave your all so that we can know true freedom, and that others have given their all so that we can know freedom here in this world, in this life. And so, Father, we pray, Lord, that we walk with a sense of humility and a willingness to serve as they have served. God, we thank you for that. We love you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, thank you for that. Well, hopefully uh, you are doing well. Uh, we're going to be jumping into our super series today. This is a, a series that we've been uh, going through for a few weeks. Uh, we thought it was going to be a six-week series, and now we've expanded it out um, to even more. And so today, uh, we're going to be talking here a little bit about that. And Pastor Fred is going to be talking for the next two weeks um, and kind of, uh, we think at that point, wrapping up the sermon series super. Um, and so we're going to be doing that. I'm going to be doing Discovering City Life. And so if that's something you're wanting to do, um, if that's something you're interested in, um, that'll be happening next two weeks as well. So we'd love for you to step into those moments. Or if you know people that have been coming in and out and you're just like, hey, you need to get uh, be a part of this church, this moment's for you. And so we'd love for you to be a part of that next two weeks. But this has been a fun sermon series because it's been this conversation that we've been having on excess. And uh, if any uh, country, if any land knows excess, it's the United States, right? Um, we know excess um, in everything that you can imagine. If you don't uh, think that, then go to Peking after service today, and you'll see an excess of MSG and all kinds of other things um, that are delicious but horrible for you. And so uh, it's this idea of just excess, right? It's just that, that sometimes we look at excess and we just say, man, it is just, it's, there's so much of it out there, and it's horrible. But the truth of the matter is, is that God has prepared us and built us for a life of excess. He's built us to know that he's an excessive God, that he's a, an excessively loving God, an excessively merciful God, an excessively loving God. And as such, he's created us to live a life in excess, 
a life that we, because of him and because us being made right with him through Christ, we're able to live an excessive life, that we can be excessively forgiving and excessively loving, that we can have uh, this life of excess in our lives that we're not getting and having more than we need, but that we're able to step into giving more than we even have of ourselves to give, that we're able to step into this place of knowing more than we're able to know. And that is the life that God has for us. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22, it says this, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It says there is no law against these things. And so what it's saying here and what we're believing it to say is, is that we literally can experience peace, joy, knowledge, all of these things in excess because of who God is and because what God did through Jesus Christ, that there's no limit to these things. And that not only is there no limit to them, but we can actually take those things through the power of the Holy Spirit to direct and guide us to live a life that God wants us to. One that is excessively good and excessively holy. That is the opportunity that we have. We see also in Galatians chapter 5 in verse 19, we see this opposite list. We see this contradictory list, one that is one full of sin and debauchery and, and evilness. And we see that list is present as well. And we see that we have this opportunity to choose, that if we choose ourselves, then we're going to live this opposite list. And if we choose God's way, we choose to walk in his excessive goodness, then we get to live out this excessive God list that he has for us. And so the, the issue is what it's pointed out here is that this, this desire for excess, this capacity for excess in itself is not bad. It is not wrong. It's actually something that God's given us. But what needs to be uh, realized and walked out on our own lives is, is that this desire, it can be misdirected. It can be put into insufficient satisfactions. And so when we try to find comfort and peace in food, we're overeating, we're overindulging in something that is not from God. And so what happens is, is we get lost in our way. But instead, if we understand who God is and what he's given us, we can walk out in his goodness. And so really for us, we need to see that it's not so much that this, that, you know, that as we walk out in sin, and we walk out in life and we see sin in our lives and we see these bad things happening and we see these bad habits that we have. That shouldn't be the greatest issue or concern in our life. Really the greatest concern in our life should be is that we have this disordered desire. That is the greatest sin, is that this disorder desire is present in us, that we desire things that are apart from God and that are far from God, when we should desire the things that are of God and that God has for us. And if we take that disordered desire and we put it in God's order, and he orchestrates the things that the way they should be into our lives, that we actually begin to know freedom and we begin to understand holiness the way that God wants us to. And so that is the life that God wants us to live. And so as we play it out, we see this capacity for good in our lives. We see it in lives of others. And we also see that we have this capacity for wrong. We see it for this capacity for evil. And so we've been playing with the idea of superheroes. And so that, that you know, you see this. You see this in the, uh, and I see a Superman shirt right there. And uh, I, I just don't even know if you guys noticed or not that they just released the fall 2015 and 16 list of TV shows. Have you seen that? There's a ton of superhero TV shows coming out, and one of them is Supergirl. 
right? So I just wanted you to know that. So anyway, so Supergirl's coming out. So um, <laughs> thumbs down. That's awesome. All right. So uh, I, I saw something about She-Hulk too. I don't know what's going to be about that. So, but anyways, I didn't even know She-Hulk existed. So um, anyways, so, uh, so, you know, it's this idea. We, we, we're fascinated with superheroes. We're fascinated with uh, all of these comic books and all of this different stuff. We love the story of a hero, and we also love the story of the villains. We can see this played out in the lives of these stories that, that, that we see that these people have the supernatural strength. They have the superhuman ability, and they can use it for good, and those are the heroes that we celebrate, but they can also use it for bad, and those are the villains that we recognize. And, and if you haven't seen the movie yet, Avengers, um, if, I don't know if you've seen the new one that came out or not. Pastor Fred, a few weeks ago, he asked, he said, hey, who in here has your, uh, you have a favorite villain? And I really couldn't think of an answer at that point. I mean, Joker's kind of the one that everybody says from the last Batman. But after the last Avengers, Ultron is my favorite villain. That was, dude, he was so awesome. James Spader's voice in there, it was perfect. It's worth seeing the movie just to that. So, but anyways, so we see that played out. So today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be walking through and just jumping into just a little bit of an idea that, um, that I feel like God's just speaking to us, um, especially for even this campus, and it's something that God's been speaking to my own life. And so the scriptures that we're going to look at today is Matthew chapter 20, Matthew chapter 20 and verses 20 through 28 is where we're going to be. So you can go ahead and turn your Bibles there and look at that with me, or you can turn on your iPhones, or you can just trust what I'm saying is in the Bible. Let's pray real quick. Father, we thank you for your goodness, and we thank you that uh, today we're going to have an opportunity um, here in the next few moments for you to speak to us and just encourage us and challenge us in your word. And so, Father, we just pray in this moment right now that this moment not be about us, this moment not be about me. God, that these words not be mine, Father, but may they be breathed of your Holy Spirit. May they be something that's beyond me. May they be something that's truer than even what we can even believe to be true. God, may it be real. May it be tangible. God, may your word pierce our hearts. May our ears be open to receive. God, may we be ready to taste of who you are. God, to sense and to know that you are real and that you're present. God, that you have this life that you want us to live out, this life that you want us to walk in. So, Father, help us today to hear from you. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So before we uh, get into, no, let's go ahead and read the text. We're going to do that. All right. Stick to your notes, Jamie. All right. Matthew chapter 20. We're going to be in verse 20 through 28. So just uh, bear with me as we read uh, these eight verses. Verse 20 says this, then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request? He asked. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right hand and the other on your left. But Jesus answered by saying to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Oh, yes, they replied, we are able. Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right or on my left. My father has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. 
Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So for me the other day, I had this crazy day. I don't know about you, but um, do you ever have just crazy days that just seem just exceedingly exhausting and just painful and you're just like man this is just a day I'm ready to be over have you ever had those days right all right so the other day it was actually kind of funny when I looked back over and because I was sitting there and I was preparing for this and I was kind of writing out this day so I could remember the details and stuff and as I'm writing out it was actually I was like it's actually pretty comical the way that day went but in the moment I didn't feel that right <laughs> and so so the other day um uh it, it was a couple weeks ago and I've told a little bit about the story so I'm not gonna go in length about this one but I tried to surprise Braden and I took him out of school so that we could hang out for the day and just kind of have fun and so um, that day it kind of started off a little bit rougher that weekend it actually started off rougher it was a Monday that I was going to do that with him and and so that weekend my car I've been having serious issues with my car and we've just been dumping money into the thing and trying to figure out and it seems like every time we do something else comes up um, or we've replaced the same part like a hundred times you know um, and of course now it's just like oh and they don't even make that part anymore so you're just buying it from junkyards just hoping that maybe it'll work and that it's fine. Um, and so, you know, you're just kind of going through. So I've been dealing with that. And so I was actually borrowing somebody else's car because they were out of town. So they let me borrow the car so I could actually, like, you know, drive and uh, not have to walk everywhere. And so I was borrowing the car. And so it was just kind of frustrating, just kind of just different. You know, you're just like, I'm just done with that. But whatever, I'm just going to ignore it. We're going to have fun today. And so um, of course, that morning, you know, I, I, I lied to Braden because Braden's just one of those kids, if you tell him what you're going to do, you, he's just got a thousand questions, you know, and he's just not going to stop. And so I lied to him and told him that uh, we had an eye doctor's appointment, and that's why he wasn't going to school. And I also knew, too, because not only would he be super excited, but he would just be like, Ryland, I'm hanging out with dad today and you're going to school, right? So I knew he was going to be doing that. And he like doesn't, doesn't, he doesn't do it so brazenly. He just kind of subtly does it, you know? Like, hey, baby, did you know? Right? And he's like trying to be nice, but he's like totally rubbing it in her face. And so I was like, I'm going to lie to you. I'm going to avoid all of that. And so I tell him I'm going to the eye doctor, but that kind of creates all this other chaos, you know? Somehow, Ryland's like, why am I not going to the eye doctor? I want to go to the eye doctor, you know? And she's like all excited about it. And Brayden's just like, I don't want to go to the eye doctor. What are they going to do to me? They're going to put stuff in my eyes? Are they going to poke my eye? Like, do I have to wear glasses? Like, why am I going? And so, like, I mean, it's just all this chaos. And I'm like, good gracious. We just, just go with it, all right? Just go with it. Get ready. We're going to go out the door. You're going to school and you're going with me. And it's just chaos. So it's just like, what's supposed to be starting off fun is starting off stressful. And I'm just like, I don't even know if I want to do this. I don't even know if I want him to be my child anymore. And so, you know, I just like, all this, you're both going to school and you're going to stay there. In fact, you're doing after school stuff with teachers today, right? And, and so, like, I mean, you got all this stuff going on and so you know we go down and and, and we get there and, and of course then you know on the road I tell him what we're gonna do and he's excited it was actually a really cool moment we go we watch the movie the movie was awesome uh, we had a ton of fun um, at the movie ate tons of popcorn and we were so full we weren't even hungry for lunch but then we went got blizzards afterwards because never too full for a blizzard right and so went and got a blizzard so that was cool so then I had to go to the eye doctor well, we went to the eye doctor. I was hoping it would be kind of quick. I got to the eye doctor. I have never seen so many people going to the eye doctor in my life. 
I mean, it was like so full in there. It was just crazy. I was like, this is going to be a massively long wait. I'm like, what is going to happen? So we're in there just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And it's just, I mean, you're sitting there watching the same four slides go up on the screen about things, about eyeballs. And you're just like, well, that was awesome for about a minute and a half. Now I'm just really bored, you know? And all the magazines are about eyeballs and all that different stuff. And so I was like, man, what do we do? So we're trying to play games, trying to make the most of the moment. But I had other stuff I wanted to do. And I'm not a good waiter. I don't know about you, but I'm just not good at waiting, uh, especially for a doctor, right? And so, uh, so I'm just in there. I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting. So then finally we go back, and they do a thousand things. So I haven't been an eye doctor in four years, which is bad when you wear glasses and you already know your vision's failing. And so uh, they started doing all this different stuff. And so I didn't know one of the things they were going to do was dilate my eyes, right? And so they dilated my eyes, and I didn't even know that they did it, didn't even notice it at first. And so they go through. Then they do, an eye, they do a dry eye test, and they do like three or four other tests and there's lights and air and all kinds of stuff being thrown in my eyes and um, and so I'm just like okay so we get done and they they give me my prescription and all this different stuff and so uh, so I get done I'm like am I supposed to go that way they're like yeah and I'm like fantastic so I walk and they got these little arrows uh, which was awesome is uh, Dr. Kearney she's on her uh, governance team and she was fantastic her office was fantastic so I'm not trying to make bad of them but but um, so I'm just I'm horrible at waiting right and I have issues and so it wasn't them and they were super busy, which shows how good of an eye doctor they are. So anyway, so I, I go, I just don't want her to feel like I'm being mean to her. So, um, so she's like, hey, she's like, Jamie, just follow the white arrows. I was like, good, simple things for simple people, awesome. So I'm like walking the arrows and then I get up to the thing and they're just like, all right, do you have the form the doctor gave you? And I look down and I kid you not, like, I mean, this thing, it was like I was completely inebriated, right? Like I couldn't, like, I'm just like, Right? I still haven't realized that they dilated my eyes and all and I'm like, I cannot read a word on this paper. And so I'm just like, um, you just take them all. I don't know what you're supposed to have. And so I'm just like, you just take them all. So they, so they, they take the papers, and, and so they finally figure everything out. And then I'm supposed to be, you know, like going look at other glasses. I can't read a single price on them. I, can't, I have no clue what I'm doing. So I'm like, this isn't good. I was like, all right, Braden, let's just go ahead and go, right? And still hasn't even registered. I shouldn't be driving, right? If I can't read a paper, how am I going to read a street sign? So I don't even think about it. And I walk out and completely forgot to grab the sunglasses that they're supposed to give you so I walk out and it's just bright and it's like instant tears right just flowing down my face I can't see anything and I'm just like oh my gosh and so then I grab Brain's arm and I'm like walk me to the car right and I'm like trusting my nine-year-old to walk me across the parking lot to my car and I'm still thinking I'm gonna drive right so anyway so I, he gets me to the car and of course he's the whole time he's my son so he's just like he's like keep going keep going keep going keep going boom <laughs> you walked into a car, and I'm like, you're awesome. So anyway, so then we go, and I finally get into the car, and then I was like, all right, it's in the shade. I'm like, let's just sit here for a minute. I put my sunglasses on, and I'm like, let's just sit here for a minute and let my eyes rest. And so then Braden's just like, are you, should you be driving? I'm like, I'm going to be fine, right? And so I'm going to be fine. So wait a few minutes. So we get on the road, start driving down 64, and the whole time I'm just like this, right? My glasses on, I can just, I'm barely squinting, and we're just going down the road, and so then... I'm trying to just forget about it, and I'm just talking to Braden, and we're laughing about the movie and talking about all this different stuff. And so as we're driving down 64, all of a sudden, I, this isn't my car, and I don't know the car and all this different stuff. So I'm driving. All of a sudden, the window just rolls down by itself, right? So I'm just driving, and, we're just, and it's a really hot day. And so I'm just sitting there and just driving, and all of a sudden, I'm looking at Braden, and it's just, and Braden and I, we just like, 
what was that? And then we just start laughing, and then I start crying again. Because all of the hot, dry air is like shooting behind my sunglasses. Now what was somewhat visible is completely invisible. And so I'm just sitting there just like, we're going to die. And Braden thinks it's funny, and I think it's funny that he thinks it's funny, and I keep driving. And so we finally we make it home, and I get to the house. I walk in the house. I was supposed to be doing this special dinner, supposed to be making lasagna, or, you know, all this different stuff that we had planned and so I go in I'm in the house wearing my glasses trying to make this food I make an absolute mess of the kitchen which makes Michelle upset and it's just you know one of those things it took me three times as long to cook as it normally would I was just exhausted I was wore out I was frustrated I couldn't see I had my sunglasses on until like seven o'clock at night in the house just trying to make my eyes feel better and I'm like if I permanently ruined my vision I don't know so then we finally eat I clean up the kitchen and I sit down on the couch and I'm just exhausted and I just sit down and I'm like <sighs> and I get super comfortable you got the spot on the couch you know what I'm talking about you're all sensing it right now right you got a spot on the couch just a certain way you lay and when you're there and you're settled you're just completely content and nothing can move you right you're in that moment you're just tired you're exhausted somebody can be like the house is on fire and you're like great it's been a good life I'm just going to sit here. And that's where I was. Like, I didn't want to get up to go to the bathroom. I, didn't, I was just completely settled. I was content. I was just there. And I was like, I am done with this day. Now, I don't know if it's just a day for you or maybe it's been a life for you or a month for you. But have you ever just noticed that we have those moments where we just completely just want to crash and nothing can move us anymore? That we're just settled where we are and we're just done with it all. And it doesn't matter what's in front of us. It doesn't matter what responsibilities. We're just done. Have you ever been there before? You ever had that moment? Have you ever noticed that it's just easy for us to do that? That there's this place where we just get to where we know that there's things that we should be doing or there's things that, that are even that could help us to experience better. But we're just done and we're just able to settle where we are. Have you ever noticed that we just have this innate ability to do that? That we have this innate ability that sometimes we get into these situations and we have this ability to make sense of anything in the moment anything we can make sense of anything that will benefit us I mean we, we're just we're tired or we're exhausted or we're, we're out and there's all kinds of different stuff and we get in this place where we just want to be settled we just want nothing else to go on we just want to be still we just want nothing to be going on we don't want to think about anything we don't want anybody bothering us we we just don't want the simplest of things to happen because we just want to be and we can make sense of anything to justify us staying there we have this capacity, we have this, this ability in each and every one of us just to do that. To find contentment, to rationalize, to reason, to, to make sense of stuff and say this is where I should be. And I, honestly, I think this is one of those things that this is, this is where the, the sense of just average and mediocrity comes from in the world. Right? I, I just think of just me in college. Like I can remember striving. I, I made a joke of high school, and somehow I was actually in college. Right? Uh, college said, yes, you can come here. Right? And I later found out it was because I had money that I was willing to pay them. But anyways, so like they're like, hey, you can be here. And so I, I want to make the most of college. I want to I do everything that I can. So I want to study hard, and I want to get an A. Right? And so I'm pushing through. I'm reading, and, and I'm studying, and I'm working really hard, and I'm doing all this different stuff. And final has come, and I'm 
like, man, this test is going to break me. I'm either going to get an A or I'm not. Depending on how well I do on this test, I'm studying and I'm pushing through and it's hard. And, and you know, my brain can only, con, you know, it can only understand so much. And so I, I'm just struggling. And then all of a sudden, I, I think and I realize, man, you got a C on that paper. So, like, I mean, you're going to have to get, like, 100% to be able to get an A in this class. And then I'm like, that's a lot. I don't know if that's possible. You know, and then all of a sudden I hear my friends running around the hall and they're all going to play basketball, you know, and I'm like, basketball seems kind of fun, you know. <laughs> I don't know if I want to push through right now. I don't know if, I, I, I think I could settle for a B. I think a B would be fine, right? And, and so I close the book and just go on, you know, I mean, that's just the way it is. Or maybe there's a real situation or a real issue in your life where there's different things going on. You know, I was laughing the other day as I was studying for this, you know, a lot of people, we just want to be fit, you want to be healthy. You know, some of us, we just really, uh, you know, Michelle and I, we've been talking about our health and just being able to be active with our kids. So we're thinking through different things that we can do and all this different stuff. And I kid you not, as we started setting out our plan, hey, we could do this, and here's what we could do. I read this thing on BuzzFeed, which is always just ridiculous, the things that they put out. But on BuzzFeed, it talks about how women prefer the dad body over other physical fit bodies. And so I was just like, hey, I got the dad bod going on. I don't even need to work for it, you know? And so I'm just like, this is great. Hey, Michelle, you need to get on board, right? And that's what it is. So, I mean, there's this thing, there's this meocrity. We can begin to justify and make sense of things, and we can say, I'm okay here. We can find contentment in the most odd of things. They're sometimes the most bland and neutral of situations. There's situations where this is not best for me. This is not what God has for me that's best, but I'm okay being here because I don't know if I want to push through. I don't know if I want to do the hard things that I need to do. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, it says this. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. See, you and I, we have this massive capacity for contentment, but we often find contentment too easy. And we need to get to this place where we say, listen, I don't want to be content in the things that I have. I don't want to be content in the stuff that I'm finding. I want to be content in God and God alone. I want to trust in him and not in my own understanding. See, what we're going to be talking about today is, is that we're often at times we're oversettled. We're settling for things that we can understand and ignoring the eternity that is right in front of us. We settle for comfort instead of purpose. Matthew chapter 20, if you go with me to verse 22. Verse 22, it says this. But when the young man, it's talking about the rich young ruler, had come to Jesus and, and asked Jesus what he needed to do. And Jesus said, you need to give up everything so that you can follow me. In verse 22, it says, but when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to the disciples, I tell you the truth, it is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Then disciples were astonished. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. Then Peter said to him, we've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? And Jesus replied, I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, you have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. 
But many who are the greatest now will be the least important then, and those who are the least important now will be the greatest then. And I love this verse because it just stood out to me if you look about it. So let's go back to verse 20. So verse 20, Jesus is sitting there and he's talking to the disciples and telling them what is about to happen. And in that moment, the, the, these disciples, they, they, can, they work out the situation with their mom and they say, Hey mom, why don't you go ask Jesus something? Because who can say no to a mom? Right, And their mom was one who was a follower of Christ. She was there. She cared for Jesus. She helped minister to uh, the people that were brought. She probably cooked food for them. I mean, who says no to a mom that cooks food for you, right? And so, hey, mom, why don't you go to Jesus and you ask them this question that we really want you to ask, right? And, and why don't you put this in front of there and ask for this favor? And so they go and they talk to her and they say, hey, can you ask this question? Because here's the crazy thing is that Jesus is sitting here and he's just taking time. He's, if you go back through um, chapter 19, you can see Jesus talked to them about divorce and what really is going on in people's hearts. And he's told them what marriage should look like. And they're just like, holy cow, how is that even possible? And then Jesus tells them, like, listen, you overthink things. You need to be simple. You need to think like a child. And they're just like, okay, but that doesn't make sense because that's not what everybody. And so he's going through and he's telling them all this different stuff. And then the rich young ruler comes up and he's just like, listen, you got to give up everything and follow me. And, and, and they're just like, who in the world can do this? And all of this stuff starts happening. Like, this is impossible. What in the world can take place? And so they start realizing, man, like Jesus is calling us to this difficult life. Like he's calling us to this, this, this life that's hard. I mean, it's, he's asking some big stuff of us. He's asking for some countercultural things of us. He's asking for some, some mind-blowing things. And like, how in the world is this even going to be possible? And so Jesus is talking to them, and he's like, listen, without God, this thing is impossible. With God, it is possible. And listen, hey, if anybody's done anything, and they, they've given up, they're going to get some great stuff. And then in that moment, Peter says this in verse 27. Peter says, hey, we've given up everything to follow you. Hey, what are we going to get? Like, have you ever found yourself in that moment? Like, Jesus is talking about this hard stuff. I mean, these complicated things. And as he's talking about these complicated things, all of a sudden, Peter just goes, well, he just said, wait a minute. If you give up all of your money, if you, I've given up everything. Hey, what am I going to get out of this? Like, hey, this sounds pretty cool. And then the disciples, is, as he's going on, and he's talking, he's, and Jesus starts listening out. If you've given up all your house, and if you've given up all your money, if you've given up a mom and your dad, and the disciples are going through, done that, done that, done that, done that, done that. Whoa. And so Jesus is going through and he's talking about, here's the life I want you to live. Here's the things I want you to do. Here's the things that you're going to face. Here's the way that this life is supposed to be lived. Here's what being a disciple means. He's laying all this different stuff out. And the disciples are completely checked out because Jesus said, hey, you're going to get a throne. And they're just sitting there thinking, I'm going to get a throne. I'm going to get a throne. I'm going to get a throne. This is... Whoa, what is this going to look like? And so Jesus is going through and he's like, listen, hey, some of you, you're going to work really hard. Some of you, like all, he's laying out these kingdom principles and their minds are on, I'm going to get a throne. Their minds are on comfort. Their minds are th sitting there and they're thinking about what am I going to get instead of thinking what is God's purpose for me in this life? And when we get caught up in this mindset where we're more concerned about comfort instead of purpose, we get lost in things. Jesus is saying to them, don't worry about results, but worry about purpose. Listen, as a follower of Christ, as a disciple of Christ, our job is not to worry about the comfort that we have or the comfort that we think we should have or the necessities that we need in this life. Jesus over and over and over again is talking to his disciples and laying out and teaching to anyone that's willing to listen. Listen, don't 
worry. Don't live this life in worry. Don't live this life consumed by fear. Don't live this life doubting and unsure of what you're going to get. Don't worry about that stuff. I'm going to take care of the basic things. I'm going to take care of what you need so that you can be content. I'm going to give you what you need so you can know peace. I'm going to give you what you need so you can know joy. I'm going to take care of all of those things. What I want you to focus in, I want you to understand and look. I want you really just to zone in on is what is my purpose for you in this world? If you can look at that, you can figure that out, you can zone in on that and understand what my purpose is for you, what I want to do through you and what I want to do in you. If you can zone in on that, I'm going to take care of everything else. He's just sitting there and he's just speaking to them and he's telling them, listen, don't do this thing. Don't, don't get lost in all this different stuff, but their minds were on, what am I going to get? What's the comfort I'm going to have? I'm going to have this throne. See, their mindset was still on that Jesus had come and he was going to build this earthly kingdom, that he was going to reestablish Israel to be this known kingdom and that they were going to take over. He was going to be king. He was going to have a literal physical throne in front of their eyes and he was going to wear a literal big awesome crown in front of their eyes and they were going to be the rulers of the land and they had this vision, this understanding, this scope of what it was going to look like. And they settled for something so much less and what God had planned even before time had begun. God had purposed and had designed that they would be the ones that would build his church. That they would be the ones that would have an eternal impact. That they would be the ones that not just established a kingdom that was landlocked and blocked by boundaries and oceans. But they would start a movement. That they would be doing something that would spread into all of eternity. That they would reach and have rule and have opportunity to spread the good news of Jesus Christ throughout all of time. That their life, that their ministry, that their understanding, they were locking it in on this right now. But God was saying, listen, there's so much more I want you to do. Get and understand this purpose that I have for you. That I want you to live this life that's bigger than you. But they were settling for what they understood and they were settling for what was in front of them. And if you and I, if we don't have a clear purpose, we'll waste our time and energy trying to obtain easy things that should just be given to us. We go through and we worry about obtaining our possessions or we worry about obtaining all these different things that we think that we need. And it's not that they're bad, but we put so much focus on getting all of this stuff taken care of that we're exhausted and we're burnt out. And we have nothing left to give to the purposes God has for his kingdom. And so we're burnt out with our jobs and we're burnt out in our friendships and we're burnt out on this different stuff. We're burnt out really dealing with our family and trying to fix all of these things that might even be completely unfixable. And we're just completely exhausted. And then God's saying, listen, I've given you purpose. I've given you strength. I've given you ability. I've given you calling. I've given you talent. I've given you gifts. I've given you resource to do all of this. And we're settling for this. And then we say, why are you not in this? Why are you not working this out? And God's saying, listen, if you would do this I would take care of all of that. If we had a clear understanding of the purpose that God has for us, if we had a clear understanding of what God was calling us to do in this life, then we would not waste our time trying to obtain lesser things and settling for those things. Give yourself to that which is going to make a real lasting change, even if it doesn't show an immediate result. Pastor Fred hit on this last night. I was laughing. I was like, did he read my notes? And then he did a better job. And I was like, no, he didn't. But in Psalm 27, verse 13, said, I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. 
See, what happens is, is a lot of times we settle for comfort instead of purpose because we like the immediate results. We like seeing what can happen. We like being able to say, done, done. We like the checklist. We like being able to say, I did that. I got this. I received that. So what happens is, is that we go through this life and we get into this place and we say, wow, I got this great job with a great income. And God is using that so that I have a great house and I'm providing for my family. And which is all good stuff. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that stuff. You should have those things. You should pray for those things. You should ask and seek that God will use you in providing those things, right? There's nothing wrong with them. But what happens is, is when we see those as God's promise, we see those as the fulfillment of God's promise, and we find contentment in those things, we settle for something that is temporary. Because what happens if God says, hey, great, I've given you all of this. Now I want you to give it all away, and I want you to go over here and have nothing. And then when that happens, we get in this place where like, we start doubting God. We start questioning God. Because what happens is, is we not found purpose in the things that God's given us. We found comfort in the things that he's given us. But when we find purpose in the things he's given us, in the jobs that he's given us, in the relationships he's given us, when we see that, we don't settle in our things. We don't settle for lesser things. When we see the purpose of what God has provided us to be for his eternal purposes, we're willing to give and do anything he's called us to do. See, we need not settle in the comfort that is provided in God's mercy. We need to settle in the grace and the goodness of who God is and what he's done for us. We need to be sure that we're not settling in our own things, in our own definition of God's goodness. When you get into a place and you're living your life and God begins to do things for you, don't say, I've arrived. Don't say, I've accomplished. Don't say, I've gotten. Don't say, this is what I needed. Oh, God finally came through. And then you just picture yourself there, settled, done, easy. Nothing's going to move you. Everything's done. No, that is a place that God has you so that he can use that at a point to launch you into something bigger and better. And that bigger and better might be less than what you have now. We've got to be open and willing and say, God, I'm not going to settle in my purposes and in my comfort. God, I'm going to settle in your purposes and in your will. That's what I want to do, God. That's where I want to be. That's the life that I want us to live. We love the immediate because when the deepest longings of our hearts, when they feel like they're being unfulfilled, we love immediate results because it gives us some sense of being alive. We love to see things happen. And so what happens, though, is, is when we're pursuing the immediate, when we get caught up in the comforts, when we get caught up in the definitions of God's provisions, our own personal definitions of how God's providing, when we get caught up in those things, what happens is, is we get stuck in a cycle of chasing meaningless things. Meaningless thing after meaningless thing, and the cycle gets us caught in chasing after the fastest results and the most instant gratification without ever really making any progress at all in what God's called us to do. And we celebrate small things when God says, there's a whole eternal kingdom that I've invited you into, that I've given you a purpose in. There's things that will blow your mind that I want you to be a part of, and you're celebrating this. God's saying, listen, don't settle for that. Chase after the things that I have. Second thing is this, is that we settle for what is clear instead of what is miraculous. We settle for what is clear instead of what is miraculous. Let's go to verse 18 in Matthew chapter 20. Listen, he said. This is Jesus speaking. We're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priest and the teachers of the religious law. They will sentence him to die 
Then they will hand him over to the Romans to be mocked, flogged with a whip, and crucified. But on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. Verse 20. Then the mother of James and John. You get this? Jesus is sitting there just saying, hey, listen. Hey, this guy who you've bought into... This guy who you believe to be the Messiah, this guy who you have given up everything to follow, this guy who you believe is going to provide all the things that you've hoped for, wished for, dreamed for, all of those things. That guy that's standing here right in front of you that you believe to be the son of God, hey, he's going to go up to Jerusalem not to be celebrated and become king, but to be beaten, to be murdered, to be flogged and ridiculed in front of all mankind. And then after that, three days later, I'm going to raise from the dead. And they're sitting there and they're listening to Jesus say this. And it's as if they just completely ignore it. It's like they're completely oblivious to what God had just spoken to them. He said, listen, this miraculous thing is getting ready to take place. Like, I mean, you get this. I'm going to go be beaten. It's going to be miserable. It's going to be awful. It's going to be painful. And I'm going to die. But then it's going to be glorious. It's going to be exciting because I'm going to come back from the dead. Who's ever done that, right? I'm going to be the guy that says, hey, I came back from the dead. I'm on my own path. This is going to be awesome, right? I mean, this is what he's saying to him. And the disciples are like, hey, so my mom's got something to say to you. <laughs> right? I mean, they're just completely just oblivious to it. And this is one of the things that just speaks out to me is, just, is it in our own lives. And, and man, really, this is a soapbox for me, so I'm not going to try to get on this because I can get passionate about this. But, but the reality, especially for us as followers of Christ, for somehow, some way, we've gotten to this place where we hate ambiguity. We run from mystery instead of running to mystery. I mean, when you read the Bible, this thing doesn't make sense fully. Right? When you read the Bible, like this thing, like it's, it's head scratching, like I don't understand, right? I mean, Jesus is walking around and he's telling people that they've got to eat flesh and that they've got to drink blood. And he's going around, he's saying all this different stuff. And people are like, I'm going to follow you, I'm going to follow you. I mean, but you, I mean, when you stop and you think about it, you're like, what is, what is this guy saying? What does this guy say? I mean, what is this? This is different. I mean, every cultural thing that was there, every cultural norm, every religious norm that was there, Jesus was like, yep, check that one off. Nope, not going to do that. Nope, you don't understand it right. Everything that people were saying, hey, this is what God said, and this is the way it's going to be. Jesus said, no, that's not what he meant at all. He said this. I mean, this thing, it was mysterious. It was baffling. Paul, 40 years later, 30 years later, Paul is talking about the gospel itself, about Jesus coming to die as the greatest mystery. Mystery, this thing, this sense of this uncertainty, we feel like it's something that's wrong. We feel like that it's something that's bad, and so we run from it, we flee from it. We look at the miraculous and we say that's not possible. But we believe that God himself came to be man and died and then rose again and is living in eternity. We believe in an invisible God that we can't see or hear or touch. We believe that he's speaking to us. But yet we believe when there's something miraculous that can happen in front of us, we say it's not possible. Because it's mysterious. I can't understand it. I can't make sense of it. 
somehow, some way, the church that is birthed from God's very own heart that started because Jesus rose from the dead after three days, that thing that we're a part of today, thousands of years later, when every reason exists as to why we shouldn't be here today, we're here today regardless of all of that because God wants us to be together. And in somehow, some way, the church has slowly, over thousands of years, moved to a place where we've become known for eliminating the mystery of the gospel instead of embracing it. We, we, we hear God speak to these things to us, and we're just like, hey, yeah, but what about my house? Hey, yeah, what about? I hear, I, I, don't know, I hear what you're saying, Jesus, but I, I, I got this other thing that is kind of stuck in my head because you said something about a throne, and that sounds really cool to me, so I kind of want to know about that. And we completely get lost on the mystery of things. I, it's, it's somewhat laughable to me sometimes. I don't understand why and who knows. Maybe I'm just really not that smart of a person. I don't know. But Michelle and I, we've, we've three times now, we've completely just walked away from a secure job with secure monies and, and houses and, and we've been provided for. We've walked away for three times now to go to somewhere where we had no assurance of income. We had no assurance of friendships just because we said God's called us to do it. No, three times. And it's amazing to me. I don't say that for celebration of me or anything like that. I just say it's amazing to me that when I have friends in my neighborhood, they go, wow, that's really cool. That's inspiring. But people in the church go, what in the world are you doing? Like I, I've had people who do not know who God is go, wow, I, I can't believe that you're willing to do that because you believe God's called you to do it. But then I've had people who are pastors. They come to me and they're like, how are you going to provide for your kids? Like are you thinking about what I mean, your responsibility is? And I'm like, yeah, my responsibility is to follow Jesus. Like, that's my responsibility. Why is the church coming and trying to reframe things and put Jesus in the small, tiny, tangible box? He's a mysterious God. He's a magical, incredible, just amazing God who does the amazing things. He should not be in a box. And if we are following him, we should not find our contentment and our possessions and our comforts of this world or even the things that God promises to us in the sense of what we can have in this world. We should find complete purpose and contentment in who he is and what he's called us to do. That's where we should be. And we should be willing to say, I'm willing to do anything. I'm willing to go anywhere. I just want to be where he is. I want to do what he wants to do. But we struggle when our plans for what we think should happen don't work out. See, I think part of what happened is, is, is Jesus was saying this, so the disciples are thinking about the thrones, they're thinking about the comfort, but I think at the same time they're going, that doesn't make sense, that doesn't add up, so I'm just going to kind of not listen. Have you ever been there in a place where you feel like God's speaking something to you to do something, even if it's in a moment? Hey, go talk to that cashier, you know, and I just want you to pray for their husband. And you're like, I don't even know if they're married. I don't know if they have a husband. God, I don't know what you're talking about. Man, that burger is something I should not have for lunch. And we just completely just walk by it, right? Why would God do that? That doesn't make sense. That seems irrational. Why would God speak to us that way? Why would God call me to do that? But God's called us to do the miraculous. He's called us to do different things. And so when we look at the, our lives and our plans just begin to not work out, the, the things that we have planned, the things that we had set up, when it's not right, when our future begins to unfold in a way that we think it shouldn't go, all of a sudden we begin to doubt and we begin to question. God, what are you doing? Are you in control of things? Are you working all things out? Are you good? God, I, I just don't understand Listen, as followers of Christ, we should be in a place that we should have this understanding. We should have this expectation that circumstances will change, that new decisions will appear, and that there is going to be times in your life when you have no clear understanding of what the next step is. 
Like, we should not just live with saying that could happen. We should live with an expectation. We should have this tension that even if I'm in a place where I know that God's taking care of all things, all things are abundant and clear, all things are good, that that is a season, and that season can come to an end because God could say, I want you to take this next step. And you can say, but that next step, great, but what about the step after that? And God's like, don't worry about that. We should live in a place where we say, all right, I'm up for that. I'm ready for that. I was reading about a German bishop who stood up to, hit, uh, to Hitler and the Nazi regime. He stood up to them and he stood for what was right. And, and, and it cost him his life. And so the natural question that we can ask in that moment is, is what, I mean, what gave him the power to do that? What gave him the strength to do that? To say, I'm going to die for what I'm getting ready to say. Like, I know what he's doing to people right now. And I, I'm going to go to that guy and say, you're wrong. Right? I mean, what gives the guy the power to do that? He says this in his own book. He says, I sometimes told my confirmands that they must retain at least three words of the instructions that I've given them. If they forget everything else, these three words they must remember. At every opportunity, I would say to them over and over and over again, God is present. So we get into these moments, we get into these places when things don't make sense, when things begin to unfold in a way that don't make sense to us. It seems mysterious. It seems unsure. Why would Jesus go and say that he's going to die? He's getting ready to be king. That doesn't make sense. If he's dead, he can't be king. Like, how's that going to work? I mean, that's not what he said. That's not what he meant. And I'm just going to kind of blow by that. I'm just going to kind of ignore that. And I'm just going to go and do my thing. we got to get in this place where we say, you know what? My comfort is not in what I understand. My comfort is not what I see all the times. My comfort is not what is intangible. What's not always what's immediately clear to me. My comfort is in who Jesus is, who he said he was, and what he has done. That's what my comfort's in. That's what my strength is in. That's what my faith is in. That's where my heart is set in. And so I'm going to chase after him. We've got to make sure that we're doing everything we can just to look to him. Listen, in our life, scriptures calls us this. Whenever you look through scripture and it talks about followers of Christ, it talks about those who follow God. Scriptures refers to us as wanderers, as sojourners, as foreigners. Listen, we're supposed to be in a place where there's this tension of I'm not sure. There should be this tension. Should there be this place of we're going out and it's like, it doesn't make sense. I know, but it's what God's called me to do. It should be this life. It should be this thing where we're saying, listen, I'm not about my comfort. I'm about God's purposes. Listen, I'm not about what makes sense. I'm about what God is doing. And I know it seems mysterious. I know it seems weird. But I know who God is. I know what his word says. And I don't know what the next step is. But I do know that I'm supposed to do this. We just step into those moments and we're willing to chase after those moments and not settle for something less than those things. In Psalm 39, it says this in verse 12, hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Hold not your peace at my tears, for I am a sojourner with you, a guest like all of my fathers. Hebrews 11, verse 13, if anything, this makes sense. Here you go, verse 13, all of these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised. But they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Listen, an uncertain path is not an excuse for inaction. But it should be a motivation to keep us questioning, thinking, learning, and growing and chasing after Jesus. There should be this tension. There should be this sense in our lives that there's this mysterious reality to following Jesus. There's this tension that I don't always know what my next step is going to be. 
I don't always know what he's asking of me to do. I don't always understand the reasons or understand the whys, but I know that his purposes are true. And as we sang this morning, I know that he is for me. He's not against me. I know that he's working all things out. I know that he's going to make things good, and I'm not going to worry about that stuff. What I'm going to worry about is his purpose. I'm not going to get caught up and settled in these things to the place that I'm chasing and toiling for things that don't matter. I want to be so unsettled. I want to be so caught up in him that I'm chasing only after the things that he has. And when it's mysterious, when it's weird, when people look at me and they're like, dude, you're just not normal. You say, yeah, I know, because I'm a foreigner. I'm a stranger. I'm a sojourner. I'm a wanderer. It shouldn't make sense to you if you're not following God. Let's not run from that identity. Let's not run from the mystery of the gospel. Let's not run from the, the miraculous power that God sent his son to die for us so that we could be made right for him. Let's not run from that. Let's instead run to it. As the worship team comes up. I just want to close with this thought is, is that when we're settled in the work of Christ, we are unsettled in this world. And that means that we should live differently. It means that we should work differently. It means that we should serve differently. It means that we should give differently. It means that we should have no attachment to the things of this world. And that our only attachment should be Jesus himself. So Jesus is speaking to the disciples. And as he's speaking to them, he's like, listen, I'm going to die. And they're just like, hey, what about your kingdom? And hey, uh, I want to have a throne and, and all of this different stuff. And then he goes through and he says, listen, but some of you, you're going to be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And Jesus is trying to lay out through all of this text. And when he's trying to communicate to them in this life that he lived in front of them. These disciples, he said, listen, you're going to be the ones that's going to carry the message that God has planned for all of eternity. You're going to be ones that's carrying this in your hearts. You are going to be the one that's going to change the world. I want you to get in here and I want you to know and see that it's not about who you are. It's not about what you do. It's not about what you get. It's about what I've done and it's about who I am. Don't, don't trust in anything else. Don't find purpose in anything else. Don't find comfort in anything else. Be completely unsettled in anything that takes you away from me and who I am and what I've done. Find only contentment. Find only excitement. Find only love and passion and joy in me and who I am. Because I've come and I've served you. I've come and I've given you a way. I've come so that you can have a whole new life. I want us to be a church. I want us to be followers of Christ. I want to be somebody who looks at this life and I don't fear from uh, the, the things that are in front of me and I don't look at things that I'm consumed by them that I completely miss the opportunities that God has for me. Just yesterday, as we were getting ready for the day, it was earlier in the day and Brandon and Ryland, uh, they, they were super excited because you know they, it was a beautiful day and they wanted to go to Bush Gardens. I was like, I can't. I've got too much going on today. There's no way I could possibly do that. But my kids know that I, I've got this thing. Hey, let's make memories. And I talk about it all the time. Let's make memories. And so they're like, just go ride one ride with us, and then you can leave. So they suckered me into it, and we went, and we rode one ride. And we did everything we could to make sure that Ryan was going to be on there. That was a sermon from last week. But 
So Rylan, she gets on the Loch Ness Monster. So we, the first one we get on there and we just, we get in line and, and all of a sudden Brayden, he starts panicking, like, you know, just upset. And he's like, dad, I don't know if I'm gonna like this. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if, if this, I was like, dude, you, last year you wrote this thing. You wrote it, we got off, we wrote it again. And then we went and rode other rides and then you were begging to go back on this ride. Like, what are you talking about? Like, what, he's like, it, that was a year ago, dad. Like, I don't, I don't remember if I liked it. I don't, I, I don't think I like the loops. And so I'm just like, dude, you told me like the loops were your favorite part. And he's like, no, dad, I don't think you said that. And, or I don't think I said that. And I'm like, are you saying that I'm a liar right now? Like, I mean, what are you, like, what are you saying, you know? And he's just like, I, I just don't remember that. And he's just literally, I mean, just visibly upset. So much so that this really adorable little girl walks by and she recognizes, she's like, Brayden. He just didn't even notice, right, that this little girl, and I was like, well, that's good, right, <laughs> on some levels. But he's just, like, just caught up, you know, and he just goes around the corner and just talking to him. I could have gotten mad at him, and I could have been like, suck it up, dude. We're going to go on this ride. You're going to like it, right? Like, I could have done that, and I would have been a horrible dad for doing that. But instead, I, I just kept whispering in his ear, and I said, Brayden, you've done this, and you loved it. And I was like, listen, it's just a roller coaster, but right now I want you to learn a principle in life. That if you say no to this opportunity, what you in this moment you're saying yes to is fear. And when you say yes to fear, what you're saying no to is the opportunities that could help you discover more. See, a lot of times what happens is, is we go through life and we get into this place that we settle and we find comfort in things that are less because really what's rising up in us is fear. What's really rising up in us is fear. I don't know if God can really do that. I don't know if I can trust that God can really do that. I don't know and I don't know if I can believe that God's gonna provide for me if I step out and do that. See what happens is we begin to allow fear to scream to us. What we need to do is we get into this place where we walk out and we say, I'm not going to say yes to fear. What I'm going to say yes to is opportunity. I'm going to say yes to the opportunities that God has for me. I'm going to say yes to the things that God has for me, even when they don't make sense. I'm going to believe and I'm going to trust that God is faithful. I'm going to believe and I'm going to trust that God is going to work things out. And so what I told Braden is I said, buddy, you've got to change the song in your head. Right now, what you're doing is you're singing a song that says, I'm scared and I can't. What you need to start singing is, is a song saying, I've done this before and I loved it. Sometimes as Christians, we walk through life and we say, I just don't know. That's not my role. I can't do that. And what we need to be walking out is, is he's done it all. He's made it all possible and he's called me to do it. So he's going to work it out. We've got to change the song that's in our head. We've got to stop walking and finding comfort in the less and allowing fear to become the thing that drives us. Instead, we need to say yes to the opportunities that God has for us and walk those things out. Let's be unsettled in this world and settled in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Let's stand.